Broadcasting live from the North Fulton Business Radio X studio, it's time for To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. To Your Health is brought to you by Morrow Family Medicine, an award-winning primary care practice, which brings the care back to health care. Hello and welcome to To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. This is episode number 44 and I am Jim Morrow. I'm with Morrow Family Medicine in Cumming in Milton, Georgia where we utilize state-of-the-art technology and old-fashioned care to do our best to make you feel both cared for and appreciated. And we truly do appreciate you letting us be your health care providers, your primary care providers. We realize that there are many choices in the area as to where you might receive your care, and we do appreciate it when that choice is Morrow Family Medicine. So I'm here once again virtually with my producer, John Ray, who is in his well-endowed home studio, and I'm here with a microphone in my office, having to hold it by my hand and listen with a transistor radio to what this sounds like. So, John, how are you? I'm good, but you're tricked out more than I am now. Well, I'm getting there because I stole your microphone idea. Uh, So this is episode 44, John. That's incredible. That's like 23 months, 22 months, something like that. It's been uh, incredible. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, look forward to seeing what we can do and how we can educate and get people involved even more as the next year passes. I, I have to say, I do hear pretty regularly from people, mostly patients, obviously, that they're listening to the podcast. And I love it when they tell me that. And I appreciate all of you out there doing it. Uh, thank you so much for that. We're excited to hear from you. If you'd like to communicate with us about the podcast, the a better way is with email at drjim, Dr. Jim, at toyourhealth.md, or we're on Twitter. We are at toyourhealthmd, and either one of those, you can send us comments, questions, uh, show ideas. We've had a few of those, and I think they've gone pretty well. Uh, and believe me, when you're trying to come up with 44 show ideas, having some input's a great thing, so don't hesitate to fire me off a note and see what we can talk about in the future. Well, and also, if you're interested in booking an appointment at Morrow Family Medicine, because we had someone that reached out here, I don't know, last week uh, through the Facebook page and asked if they could book an appointment. So Yes, and they absolutely can. Yep. And we appreciate that. So um, I've been doing a coronavirus update on most of these shows recently, and I do realize that in 10 years when people are listening to these ad nauseum, that those won't be particularly relevant. But for now, at least they are. And really, my, my only coronavirus update today is to say that we're a week and a day past the election of 2020, and the pandemic did not end with the recent election. Hell, the election didn't end with the recent election. So the pandemic certainly never had a chance. But please continue to be aware of your surroundings and who you're with, how long you're with them, where you're with them, and what you're wearing when you're with them. We know now, like we didn't know for months and months, we know now that the biggest threat is indoors, without a mask, more than 15 minutes of contact in a 24-hour period, and being within six feet of each other. So the classic example of that, I think, is going to dinner with somebody you don't spend a lot of time with. You might be being very careful. They might be not quite so much, and you end up with COVID-19 three days later. So be very careful and and be smart about what you're doing. Thanksgiving is coming up. I've been getting asked a lot about what my thoughts are about Thanksgiving. And I think if you've got brother John and sister Sarah coming from Texas and Florida, I think it's a terrible idea 
I think it's a good year to not do the big Thanksgiving with people that you're not around most of the time anyway, or people who've not been sheltering, certainly. So be careful about that, because if you're old like John and I are, you are definitely at risk. So eight days ago, nine, nine days ago, Alex Trebek passed away from pancreatic cancer. Alex was the long-running, I think only, host of Jeopardy, and he announced a while back that he had pancreatic cancer. And so everybody I know started watching him for signs of illness and stuff. And I have to say, up until the very end, he has continued to look pretty doggone good. And uh, it just shows you that pancreatic cancer is a terrible, terrible disease. It's, it's just a horrible thing. And November is Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. And so I wanted to talk today about pancreatic cancer and the ins and outs of it. And really the, the long and short of pancreatic cancer is it's something you don't want. If you get it, your chance of surviving is incredibly low uh, for a multitude of reasons. So pancreatic cancer begins in the actual body of the pancreas. Now the pancreas is an organ that lies sort of between your stomach and your spine, maybe a little bit below your stomach. It's sort of teardrop shaped. Some people call it pear shaped, but it's fatter on one end, skinnier on the other. The fat end is more towards the middle. The skinnier end is more towards your left side. The fat end is called the head and the skinnier end is called the tail. And you can get uh, pancreatic cancer in either of those locations. It releases enzymes that help in digestion and it produces hormones that help manage your blood sugar. It produces insulin. So it's responsible for, for that in the largest way. There's several types of cancers and growths that can, well, first, there's several types of growths that can occur in the pancreas. And some of these are cancerous and some are not. You can get quite large cysts that can give you a lot of discomfort, but they're not cancerous. And then you can get a couple of different types of cancer. The most common one starts in the cells that line the ducts, the tubules that carry digestive enzymes out of the pancreas. And uh, this is called pancreatic ductal carcinoma, uh, adenocarcinoma. And pancreatic cancer is seldom detected at an early stage. I tell somebody every day that cancers really are not detected often until something gets blocked up. Now, these tumors can be in the ducts, so you can imagine it wouldn't take much to block up a good many ducts, and then digestion is not right, and so forth and so on, and you might have some pain because of things getting backed up. But until that happens, you're not going to have symptoms. And it, and most of these cancers that are detected are in the head of the pancreas, which is where the tubules join the GI tract, join the, the small intestine. And so when they get blocked up, you'll know it. But if you get a tumor in the tail of the pancreas, which might be called five, six inches away, it could be huge and have spread everywhere before there's any indication whatsoever that it's there. It's rarely detected in stages when it's really curable. And because of that, what we find is that people have a very short lifespan when they're diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. The treatment options are really chosen based on the extent of the disease. Uh, like most cancers, you can have surgery, you can have chemotherapy, radiation, or a combination of all of those. 
But until the disease is advanced, you really don't get many signs or symptoms even. And the ones that you might see would be things like abdominal pain. Typically, it's abdominal pain in the center of your abdomen that might radiate towards your back. Then you can have loss of appetite or unintended weight loss, accidental weight loss. You can turn jaundice because it can block up the tube from your liver as well and Bile can back, bilirubin can back up in your system and make you jaundice. And then it can change your stools to a very light color. You can have dark colored urine, itchy skin. These are typically liver symptoms. If you have a new diagnosis of diabetes, it's very difficult to control. It can be involved with that. And then a lot of people get blood clots unexpectedly uh, because they have cancer. If you have a blood clot and there's no good reason for it, recent surgery, being laid up for some reason or having COVID-19, then you might need to look for malignancies. And this is one of those you would look for. And then the last thing it can cause that I think 75% of people have anyway is fatigue, a very nondescript diagnosis. And it's not something you present to the doctor with fatigue. He's not going to say, well, let's check you for pancreatic cancer, but it is something that it can cause. So if you get these symptoms, any of these symptoms, you need to see a doctor. I've, I've preached to people. I've said it on here multiple times. and we'll say it today. Don't ever say the five most dangerous words in the English language, which are maybe it will go away. If you feel something you haven't been feeling, you tell somebody. If you see something you haven't been seeing, you tell somebody. That's important because the earlier you can catch this or any other disease like this, the better off you're going to be. My uncle developed pancreatic cancer when I was, I guess, in residency. He had a GI bleed. He had a bleeding ulcer. And he lived in a small town, South Carolina, didn't have a lot of health care. He went down to Emory in Atlanta, and they did an endoscopy. And they said, well, you have this ulcer. But when they did the endoscopy, they saw a mass protruding into his duodenum, the first part of the small intestine. So they said, well, we're not sure what this is. This is long before the days of CAT scans. So they did some surgery, and they realized that he had this pancreatic cancer. And he ended up having a wonderful two years uh, when he got to see grandchildren born and enjoy his family. Uh, And then after that, he very quickly went downhill. And he didn't really have symptoms prior to that GI bleed. He didn't really have symptoms. And so anytime you get any symptoms – You want to let someone know that. Now, the causes are not clear. Uh, We think that if you smoke, you're at higher risk for pancreatic cancer and certainly other cancers. And also, you can have certain gene mutations. We talked about gene mutations last time, the BRCA gene related to breast cancer and other cancers and so forth. And if you have those, this is a possibility. So pancreatic cancer occurs when the cells in your pancreas change. Cancers occurs because cells lose the ability to control their own mitosis and mutations so that when they are changing and growing and dividing and multiplying and replacing dead cells, things get out of hand. And your cell's DNA controls the instructions that tell a cell what to do. And these mutations in a cancerous cell, tell them to grow uncontrollably, and they tell them to live long after normal cells would have died and been replaced. And then these accumulating cells form what's known as a tumor. If it's left untreated, then they can obviously spread to various parts of your body just about anywhere, uh, really. And pancreatic cancer usually starts 
in these cells, like I mentioned, that line the duct, but you can also get a a neuroendocrine form of cancer in the pancreas, which is a little bit less common, and it forms in the actual cells of the pancreas, not in the ductal cells. So if you're a smoker, if you're diabetic, if you have history of pancreatitis, pancreatitis is an inflammatory condition of the pancreas where it just gets irritated and inflamed, which can be from medications or high triglycerides or alcohol, a variety of other things. If you have those things, then you might be at a higher risk of pancreatic cancer. If you do have that BRCA2 gene mutation we talked about last time, you might be. If you have family history, you might be. And, and most of these diagnoses are in people that are older. Uh, so if you're older, you might be more at risk and so forth and so on. So these are things to keep in mind if you're trying to think about whether or not you're at risk for pancreatic cancer. As the cancer progresses, I mentioned some of the things that can happen, and one of them is weight loss. And a lot of things happen that come into play to make you have weight loss. But basically, a cancer like that consumes your body's energy. And then you have nausea and vomiting caused by the treatments or the tumor pressing on your stomach, making it difficult to eat. If you have what's called early satiety, that means that it takes less food for you to feel full than it used to. Then you might have something growing in your abdomen that needs to be checked out. It could be a large spleen. It could be your pancreas being enlarged. It could be various things, but something like that's an important symptom. You don't want to think to yourself, maybe that'll go away. Or also your body can have trouble processing the nutrients it does receive because your pancreas is not making enough digestive juices to help break them down into the parts that you can actually use them in your body. And then jaundice, most people who have pancreatic cancer do become jaundiced. This blocks the, the cancer blocks the liver's bile duct and makes bile back up in your system and you become jaundiced. So you get things like I mentioned, the dark urine, the uh, pale colored stools and that kind of thing. And that usually comes along with abdominal pain. By the time you have enough of a tumor presence to develop jaundice, you usually are going to have some sort of abdominal pain. So you want to pay attention to that. This pain can be very severe. Uh, pain medicines can help, but of course, they're just covering up the the symptom. They're not making anything better. And then if you do the therapy like chemotherapy or radiation, then you might also get uh, discomfort from that. But pain can actually be made better by those. So it's a good idea to do that if you can. There's even a, a nerve block that is done in some patients where you go in and you find a particular nerve plexus is called a big group of nerves, big thick group of nerves that send out nerves to the rest of your abdomen. And if they can block that, they can give you some pain relief if you're suffering with that. And then you can also get bowel obstructions. I didn't mention that earlier, but bowel obstructions can occur just purely because of the size of the tumor pressing on the first part of the small intestine and causing a blockage and flow of food and liquid through the intestine. So those are some of the main things that can happen and the complications you can have from the cancer itself. I want to mention this episode, number 44 of To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow, is brought to you by Morrow Family Medicine. We are currently seeing all our well patients in our coming office, and we are seeing sick patients in Milton. And in full disclosure, we see sick people in Milton Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday 
because I had a whole lot of physical set up already on Wednesdays in Milton, and we didn't want to stop doing that, so I'm still going to Milton on Wednesdays for physicals. But if you call and you have respiratory symptoms, anything that even smells like it might be COVID-19, we're going to see you in the Milton office. We may, in fact, see you and test you in the car in the parking lot of the Milton office. But we're doing sick people in Milton, well people in Cummings. So if you need blood pressure refill, cholesterol refill, a physical, anything like that, you can come to Cumming with great feeling of security that we're not having the virus in our coming location. We're doing everything we can still to bring care back to health care while protecting our staff as well as our patients and keeping this virus at a minimum as best we can. So the treatment for pancreatic cancer is like it is for a lot of cancers. If you have a resectable lesion, if you have one that's amenable to surgery, then that's the really only potentially curative treatment for ductal carcinoma, pancreatic ductal carcinoma. About 15 to 20 people have disease that can be resected, but less than 20% of those people are going to survive more than five years. The immediate post-operative mortality is less than 5%, so the surgery itself doesn't kill these people. But the median survival is still in the range of 18 months or so. It's just not long because we don't find it when we need to in the vast majority of cases. If you look at the studies about people and places that do surgery for pancreatic cancer, most of the studies are going to point out that you should do this at an institution that does a lot of these. And a lot of these is not that many. It's only about 15 a year. But if you're looking for a, a hospital to go to for pancreatic cancer surgery, you want to ask them, how many of these cases do you see a year? How many of these surgeries do you see a year? Because the higher volume centers do have decreased mortality rates. They have a shorter hospital stay. And anybody will tell you that you can get really sick in a hospital if you're not already and having a lower overall cost compared to lower volume institutions because they're accustomed to doing this, and they know how to do it, and they've got it kind of down to a science. The classic surgery for resection of carcinoma in the head of the pancreas, again, the fatty part kind of in the middle of the abdomen, is called a Whipple procedure. And that's the procedure my uncle had done. And, and still, he's one of the few people I've ever known who had that procedure done and lived for as long as two years. Uh, and in this surgery, they remove the gallbladder, they remove the common bile duct, they take out the first part of your small intestine, they take out the head of the pancreas. It's at least an eight-hour surgery. It could easily be a 12- or 14-hour surgery, and you have to be in pretty decent condition to survive that kind of surgery. So it's, it's a brutal procedure. It's probably considered, at least it was when I was in residency, considered the toughest surgical procedure that people go through. Now, I mentioned the head and the tail of the pancreas. If you get a tumor in the tail of the pancreas, those are rarely resectable because we just don't find them in time. And in order to be resectable, you need to be have it not have spread everywhere yet, and that's an important thing. Chemotherapy. Chemotherapy is really interesting to me because chemotherapy protocols change like the wind. Uh, if you have chemotherapy and you're diagnosed in November of 2020, your treatment could be vastly different from what it would have been three months earlier or will be three months later. There's constant research going on in this regard, and they're constantly finding better ways to give the medication and also better medications to give. 
but chemotherapy is one of the things that's used and it's been shown to help give people some more time, but I don't think it's been shown to cure anybody really. And then unresectable lesions. I mentioned the tail of the pancreas, more than 80% of patients present with disease that's not resectable. So most of the time we're dealing with chemotherapy in these people. And that's, that's a very tough thing. Like I said, it might extend your life some, but it's, it's not going to cure you. And it's, it's just in most cases, a, a brutal thing to go through. And then depending on when the cancer is diagnosed or what state you might get to, there's, there's palliative care. And most people know that this is basically making you comfortable. Uh, and a lot of times with pancreatic cancer, when it's diagnosed, that's all you can do. There's already nothing else that can be done. And so we do everything possible to make these people comfortable. And you, you're probably aware of hospice. And if you've known anyone who's had cancer, they may have been involved with hospice. And I'll tell you right now, hospice nurses and hospice uh, protocols and, and companies are some of the most caring that you'll ever run across some of the most knowledgeable about this type of horrible disease, not just this, but any cancer. And if you or your loved one gets to a point where hospice is recommended, I highly recommend that you take it. Uh, being in hospice does not mean giving up. It means getting a whole lot more help than you've been getting previously because uh, especially on Medicare, the rules are, different for people on hospice as far as what Medicare and insurance will pay for and so forth. So it's a, a really good idea to get involved with hospice if it's recommended. And then one of the last things you can try to do for any cancer, but in this case for pancreatic, is try to prevent it. Now, I tell patients every day that colon cancer is the only cancer you can really prevent because you can find a polyp that might become a cancer and remove it, and you just prevented colon cancer. But there are things you can do with most cancers to try to reduce your risk. And with pancreatic cancer, it's stop smoking. If you smoke, try to stop. Talk to your doctor about how to stop. And if you don't smoke, for God's sake, don't start. And don't vape. For the love of Pete, don't vape. We have no idea what those 60 chemicals are going to do to your body. That's in that vapor that you're blowing out the top of your car through the crack in the window that I see on the road all the time. And that stuff being in your lungs, there's no way that's a good idea. So who knows what that could do. But if you don't st smoke, don't start. And if you do smoke, stop. Maintain a healthy weight. It's not hard to imagine that any of us are in better shape to fight off disease if we're in better shape. Better aerobic condition, better physical condition. So if you need to lose weight, aim for a slow, steady weight loss. I've done a couple of podcasts about weight loss and if you've listened to any of them, you know it is not easy, but it's something that's not impossible. And if you do that, it can help you be on a healthy diet. A diet full of fruits and vegetables and whole grains can help you re reduce your risk of just about any cancer. And from a genetic standpoint, think about meeting with a genetic counselor. If you have a family history of cancer, not pancreatic cancer, but cancer, if more than one person in your family's had cancer, I think you ought to meet with a, a genetic counselor and talk to them about what you might do, what tests you might have to try to get a handle on what to expect and do you need to be concerned about this and that and so forth. I had a very good friend who probably four years ago, three years ago, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and he passed away five months to the day 
from the day he came to my office complaining of abdominal trouble. It's a brutal disease. It's just a terrible thing. So if you're concerned about this, tell somebody. Okay, I encourage you not to to think this is going to get better. Don't think it's going to go away. Just tell somebody. If you're a man, tell your wife. That's all you have to do. I can promise you that's all you got to do is tell your wife. And if you do, I think your outcome could be improved uh, a little bit at least if this were your diagnosis. And, John, that's pancreatic cancer. And here's to Alex Trebek. Here's to Alex Trebek. So this one's a little personal for me because my first wife died of pancreatic cancer, 39 years old. Holy Toledo, I did not know that. Well, I didn't want to get into all of it, but it's, it's, um, but I'm, you know, I'm blessed man for, uh, having known her and been with her for the time I had, but that was a genetic situation as it turned out. Didn't know it at the time. And um, I would just encourage people one thing about that. Um, You know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, cancer, um, battling cancer and surviving cancer. And uh, I defeated cancer and, you know, all these war analogies. Um, I would just encourage all us caregivers to be careful about that language because sometimes – People have a cancer that they didn't bring on themselves and they inherited in some way. And it was, they're in the bad gene pool and, um, support people, but it's not a contest. (laughs) Um, uh, and I would just, if, if the patient needs to use that kind of terminology for themselves, that's cool, you know, but don't put that on them because it's tough enough. Um, so I would just say that, I mean, it's, you know, and I, I think that Alex Trebek was, he went a long time, um, for his diagnosis. Um, but it's, everybody's got to travel their own great. journey. I, I yeah. think that's great advice and obviously very heartfelt. And I'm sorry that she had to go through that and that you did. Um, and hopefully somebody will hear that and they'll, they'll think to ask a question and to to say the right thing. It's just, it's a, it's a terrible disease. We haven't made incredible strides in treating it over the years that I've been practicing and 39 is incredibly young. That's just incredibly young. Well, the typical Vic, you know, of person that contracts it is somebody like you or me, right? An older man. And, uh, that's what's typical. And she was 39 in the fit of health, had done a marathon. Um, there's some things that happen without explanation folks. I mean, and I'm sorry, we, we feel like we got to have an explanation for everything. And there's sometimes we just don't get it. And, um, but we just need to support and love our people. (laughs) However, we, you know, that's what they need. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, um, thank you for letting me say that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for being willing to. Yeah. That's the kind of thing people need to hear. They need to understand this kind of thing. And whether it's pancreatic cancer or colon cancer, uh, anything like that, totally agree with you. Well, lung, lung cancer is another one, Jim. Week. 
Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Lung cancer is another one where, you know, 50% of the people that get lung cancer have never smoked a cigarette in their life. That's exactly right. So, folks, let's not judge. Yeah, and, and I mentioned I lost my sister-in-law, Barbara. Yeah. This past week, she fought colon cancer for the better part of a year and a half plus. Uh, and she was doing everything exactly right. I mentioned it's preventable. You know, you go get your colonoscopy, you remove a polyp, just preventing colon cancer. She was on a five-year schedule. She was going religiously. Hmm. Three years into her five years, she had stage four colon cancer. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, you'll you'll never be able to understand that kind of thing. We won't. Um, but uh, hopefully, stories like this and being willing to tell them will make people get checked when they need to and be honest with themselves about how they feel and what symptoms they're having because it's, it's incredibly important. Well, peace to you and Peggy and your grief. I know it's a tough time. She was a bright star. <laughs> she, she was that. She was that. Yeah. So I'm going to say that's what we have for pancreatic cancer, John. And for right now, here's to your health. <laughs> 